Welcome to another episode of The Talk Show. We're back and better than ever. Here we go. In this episode, I'm going to talk about James Harden and how he's making me look bad. I'm also going to talk some football. I don't know if you heard the Jets played a game this past Sunday. Did you hear about it? Probably not. Right now, it's Tuesday night. The Ravens are playing a football game. Des Bryant is not playing. And who knows if we'll see him for the rest of the season. He announced on Twitter that he tested positive for COVID during warmups. He was pulled from warmups, tested positive. And thus, he's not playing. He was kind of annoyed about that. He says he quit. Um, a couple other stories. We talked about the NFC East and a lot about it. Carson Wentz isn't going anywhere, not with that huge contract. But what is going to happen in that situation? Some teams look good in that division all of a sudden. So that's pretty fun. And there's a big hockey story buried somewhere in this podcast. So I hope you find it. Also, the Yankees need to get going on DJ LeMayo as free agency has started to heat up a little bit in the MLB, but that's all coming up. Hope you enjoy. Let's do it. I am back. It's been a minute. Uh, I didn't want to overload with podcasts because I just wanted some of those podcasts to settle. And so now I have a ton to say, so I got to jump right into it. And let's start with James Harden. He's making me look terrible. I went on a whole rant about how much I love James Harden, and I still love James Harden. James Harden is great, but He's making me look bad with the attitude stuff. This isn't good for me. Today, he finally showed up to camp, but it was a couple of days of him being out in clubs and not at practice and people wondering where he is. I don't know. The coach, the new young head coach is supposed to answer these questions now. He obviously said he wanted to go elsewhere. And here's what happens with the NBA. A lot of these players, they just decide that, okay, I'm done. I don't want to go. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go somewhere else. He's contractually obligated to be in Houston right now practicing and getting ready for a season. So whether he wants to be there or not, is not up to him. Um, and it's unfortunate. And we see this a lot in the NBA. And guess what? It's one of the reasons I don't love the league. But now it's happening to a player that I really do love. And I'm not going to make excuses for him. I still think he's one of the greatest players. Now, all the trade rumors are being thrown out. Obviously, he wants to go to uh, Brooklyn. I've talked about him going to uh, Philadelphia. And I thought that was a great fit. And then it comes out today that he would be willing, quote unquote, as if he gets to decide. But at the end of the day, he does because the players run the league. Um, yeah, that he'd be willing to go to Philly. So that came out today. Um, but I also heard Bill Simmons talking about a potential trade, which would be a three team trade, because Houston says they want something legit to get back for for James Harden. And they deserve it. I mean, he's one of the greatest players in the league. They deserve to get something great back for him. So Bill Simmons proposed on his podcast that maybe they should send a have a three team deal where Harden ends up in Brooklyn. All those pieces, including Jared Allen and uh, Landry Shamit and Karis Levert, they all go to Denver. Denver sends future picks along with Gary Harris and Michael Porter Jr. to Houston and everyone's happy. Uh, Denver gets deeper and maybe they become one of the favorites again. To make it back, maybe they could beat the Lakers. Who knows? Houston builds for the future around a young star in Michael Porter Jr. And Brooklyn gets the guy they want, James Harden. Now, the problem with this is nothing. I think it's good. Okay. Why wouldn't Denver just trade for James Harden? And I talked about this in the bubble. I said this to my father. I said, hey, listen, maybe Denver trades for James Harden. I was watching Denver play. They looked really good. And it just came to me i didn't think that james harden would be demanding a trade at this point because it was still middle of the bubble but i thought of this idea i said hey maybe you trade michael porter jr some future stuff who knows gary harris to houston and you get james harden back can you imagine the reason i came up with it is because 
Nikola Jokic runs a pick and roll every single time with uh, Jamal Murray. So I was thinking, can you imagine James Harden running that pick and roll, Nikola Jokic? And by the way, they switch off who has the ball, whether it's Murray, Jokic. So sometimes Murray's the one setting the screen, which is cool. The small guy setting the screen. I thought if those three guys could run that high pick and roll, it's an unstoppable offense, especially considering the third guy would just be available on the wing to pass it out to him anytime one of those two guys is not taking the shot. It's another option that would look beautiful to me. I think that would be awesome. Obviously, clearly James Harden is causing issues, and I don't know if they would want to have another problem guy ruin a team that had such great chemistry this past year. So who knows? But if that trade happens, doesn't that put Denver over the top? I mean, Houston gets all the pieces that they talked about getting that Bill Simmons talked about them getting anyway. Anyway, that was my thought. Now, Russell Westbrook, I cut myself off. I started talking about how his uh, his passion for the game and his drive and all that. And then I went jump back to Harden. I cut myself off too early when I was talking about that because Westbrook showed up to his first practice after getting traded from Houston to Washington. And he showed up two hours early to the first practice. That just shows you what type of guy he is. He's going to go hard, whether he's the best player or not. It doesn't matter. He's going to go hard. And I think he's actually at a stage in his career where he realizes he might not be the best player on the floor, which brings me to my next point, which is Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal, we could be seeing the best version of Bradley Beal with Russell Westbrook and not because of Russell Westbrook, because Russell Westbrook will make fly high flying plays. He'll keep them in the game. He'll because they're a better team now, they'll be in a lot of games. I think they'll be competitive. They'll be entertaining because Russell Westbrook is always entertaining and I'll give everyone a kind of it'll give everyone kind of a window to see what this team can do, what Bradley Beal can do. It'll put him in prime time and it'll put him onto the microscope. And I think at the end of the games, he should be the guy taking shots. He's the one who's the point getter as opposed to Russell Westbrook, who maybe struggles sometimes with jump shots and threes. If you need two points, three points, you're going to Bradley Beal at the end of the games. And that could be huge. That could be a huge opportunity for Bradley Beal to take that on and be like, hey, I'm this guy now. I can do this. And he'll be magnified because of the attention that Russell Westbrook's draws. So I'm not saying Russell Westbrook is going to bring out the best in Bradley Beal. I'm just saying there will be more opportunity for him to shine because he has Westbrook there. And then Bradley Beal, I think, will shine. So I think we are about to see the best version of Bradley Beal that we have seen. And that could be awesome. Now, my problem with all this and my problem with the NBA, and this is my last problem with the NBA, is favorites always win. No matter what happens, we could talk about this, talk about that. The team that we think is going to win going into a series or going into a game, 98% of the time wins in the league. And that's all I got. That's that's You can't change that. I don't know how that changed in the league. It's not always the same team in the same spot because players move around so much. So I guess it's not a big problem. But underdogs rarely win in the NBA, especially in a seven-game series. So that's that. All right. So let's put a bow on the NBA. And now to what else? Football, football. I recap the football week every week. I started this thing maybe 3-3-3. Three, three, three. I wasn't sure what I was going to call it. Uh, my father had an idea of calling it 3-4-3. Three, three. Kind of like ESPN 30 for 30, I guess. That's kind of cool. Thing is, I don't really have three storylines this week. There were so many stories I wanted to talk about in the league. And there were so many things I wanted to get to that I just wrote down a few things. Um, that I'm going to talk about and I'll still cover three games for next week, but the storylines are not really going to be three. I have two main storylines and then I'm going to kind of just do a recap of the week. So let's 
start with the biggest storyline coming out of this week, which was finally my team. The Jets are the biggest storyline. So no matter where you're listening to Sports Talk Radio or whatever podcast you're listening to, the biggest story coming out of the NFL this past week was the Jets, which is awesome because I get to talk about my team. But of course, it wasn't positive. That would be too much to ask for the Jets to have a positive story coming out of the week. It was terrible. It was the worst, most negative story ever. They looked absolutely inept. They obviously weren't trying to blow that game because Greg Williams was fired. If they were trying to blow that game, he wouldn't have been fired after the game. So that obviously is not the case. What this means is that the Jets are just so dysfunctional. Now, let's bring it back. I was watching the games live. I have the Jacksonville game on. You know, right now, Jacksonville's down eight and the Jets are up. The Jets take the lead, but there's still five minutes. Derek Carr drives down the field. He scores a touchdown, but no, there were offsetting penalties. The play is redone. Don't ever do that, NFL. I am now saying, I don't know, this will probably come back to bite me, but the NFL, when there's offsetting penalties, the play should just stand. All right. I don't care if there was holding on this guy and this guy hit the quarterback and it should be a 15 yard penalty and that's only a five yard penalty. I don't give a crap. Just make the play stand, just offsetting penalties, play stands. I need that going forward because that was the worst. Then they don't score the touchdown on fourth down. Uh, first, the Jets held like twice or three times on fourth down to get them down the field. Um, but finally, you're in a position to, and you go down, you take the lead, they come back, they don't score, and now the Jets are in the position to win the game. Um, and Greg Williams throws us all a solid with 15 seconds left. Not only did he, he didn't just do it once, he did it twice. Derek Carr missed Nelson Aguilar on the play before. And I was cursing out Derek Carr for missing Nelson Aguilar. And then he did it a second time. Greg Williams went ahead and did it a second time. What looked like intentionally blowing the game. Now, if you're a Jets fan, you'd love him because he blew the game. He did what we wanted. The Jets lost. That's all I wanted. Listen, at the end of the day, Jacksonville ties it up with the two-point conversion and then gets the ball back after Minnesota started with the ball in overtime but they still couldn't win. So that's crazy. But at the same time, we didn't know that Jacksonville was going to start it up, was going to tie it up yet. So we needed the Jets to lose and the Jets did exactly what we needed them to do. Thanks to Greg Williams. Now don't make Greg Williams a hero yet because the Jets did not go 0 and 16 yet. They did not get Trevor Lawrence. If they get Trevor Lawrence, Greg Williams is a hero. He deserves a statue. They should be parading him through the streets. He should have gotten a Gatorade bath after that game. Now, I feel terrible for the corner Lamar Jackson, undrafted rookie by the for the Jets. But, hey, listen, sacrifices have to be made. Now, what's concerning? Because there's a lot that's concerning. Because this team can't just straight up lose. It had to be so epic that it's so concerning. Marcus May talked out against the team, spoke out against Greg Williams after the game. Although Sam Darnold said today on the Michael K show that he was surprised that Greg Williams was fired, which I don't understand how that works. He, after the game himself, he was like, it is what it is. But Marcus will Marcus may said straight up. He said, Hey, we should have been in a better call there right after the game. And it's tough. I get it. Guys have to talk right after the game and it sucks. But if you're calling out the team, you know, he's going to have Jamal Adams chirping in his ear that when they play against each other this week, he's going to be like, Hey, you see how much that team is dysfunctional. You guys lost the game. Cause you were in a terrible call. Hey, Neville Hewitt said he wanted to, audible out of that play and the biggest issue is with the head coach adam gase has the right as the head coach to audible to any play at any time during a game whether it's offensive or defensive and he chose to stick with the play that was called by greg williams and then when greg williams was fired on monday adam gase spoke to the media and said i fired 
Greg Williams. So first of all, why? Why is Adam Gay still making decisions for this team if he's going to be gone in a month? And if he's not gone in a month, that's beyond crazy. And if you're firing him over one play call and you're Adam Gase, how do you have the right? First of all, you've had terrible play calls, but obviously you're not going to fire yourself. But you had you could have changed the call if you didn't like it. Change it. Call timeout. You did it twice. It's not a good enough excuse. Yeah, I should have noticed. That's what he said. He said, I wish I would have. No, the play before Nelson Aguilar was wide open. He should have called timeout then and said, what are you doing? And then he calls the same play a second time and he still didn't call timeout. What's going on? That doesn't make any sense. There's no explanation for that. Now, Greg Williams explanation. Now, people are theorizing that he intentionally blew the game. Uh, Maybe he had a lot of money on the game or something. Who knows? I wouldn't put it past a guy like Greg Williams. He's been involved with the bounty. He was involved in Cleveland with a bunch of shady stuff. So this wouldn't be the first time that Greg Williams has done something kind of shady and not by the rules. But let's just come up because I haven't heard this theory yet. Let's come up with something just to propose what can possibly explain why he would do that. Greg Williams is not going to be here next year. He knew that. He knew that whether they win this game or lose this game, he won't be here past the season. So he's obviously not trying to win for Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence doesn't mean anything to him. So what is he trying to do? And let's just say it's not money and betting and all that stuff because that's far-fetched. I think what you might be able to say is Greg Williams is trying to put together a resume for the future. He wants to get hired by someone else after the season when he's ultimately going to get fired. He wanted it to be on tape that he blitzed and that the Jets defense got a sack to end that game. He wanted to show it wasn't just we won. It wasn't we beat Derek Carr. It wasn't we stood up at the end of the game and made a stop. He wants to shove his middle finger to the world and show that we killed Derek Carr. We sacked him to end the game and that's how it ended. Everyone's going to remember that. The sack that ended the game. I'm a hero. I look so smart and he almost got it. It almost worked. It would have been on tape. He would have been jumping up and down on the sidelines with his blitz that worked, but it didn't. Your corner went for the double move, which even if you were blitzing, you should have said, hey, just stay back. They need a touchdown. Middle of the field means nothing. You sent a spy, so you sent a linebacker late. Had you sent him right away, he probably would have gotten there. You sent eight rushers. Neville Hewitt brushed. Derek Carr with his arm, but couldn't bring him down. So that's it. You failed. And not only did you lose the game, lose your job the next day and look terrible. You're not going to get hired anywhere else. So if you did this to try and get your next job, you ruined that for yourself also. So that's the Jets. And that's all I have to say about the Jets. They better go in 16 and I'm happy they lost the game. But they are just so beyond dysfunctional. Now, the second storyline. I think is the MVP. It's gotten to that season. There's a that part of the season. There's a month left. We could talk about the MVP. So everyone always does talk about the MVP. Russell Wilson is out. And I said this during the game. I tweeted about this during the game. If he had come down the field on that last drive and taken the lead and beat the Giants, people would have been saying, that's why he's the MVP. Russell Wilson is the man. Colin Cowherd would have gone on the internet the next day and gone absolutely crazy. Lost his mind. He would have gone on his show. He would have been everywhere going nuts. Guys, Russell Wilson should have never been in that spot against the Giants at home. 
if he won that game, I don't care. He still is not the MVP. That Seahawks offense has looked almost as bad as the Seahawks defense the last three weeks, and those broadcasters were terrible. Just talking about how amazing Jamal Adams was. He gave up a pass for a first down, like a 20-yard pass, and then he made the tackle. He's like, and the broadcaster was like, Jamal Adams knew exactly where he was going with that. And he's able to make that tackle. It was man-to-man coverage. He couldn't prevent the catch. He gave up the first down, then made the tackle, and then you're praising him. They were praising him the whole entire game. And I heard a lot of complaints about that broadcast from a lot of people. Um, I was seeing it all over Twitter, regardless of the Jamal Adams stuff. But that one really irked me, obviously, as a Jets fan. Russell Wilson is out, though. If anyone's still talking about Russell Wilson for MVP, it's because before the season, you wanted him to win MVP. At this point, he's out. It's been just too many bad games in a row, and he lost his team that game. He didn't play well enough for them to win. The defense played well. They didn't give up that many points to Colt McCoy. But he didn't play well enough, and that's it. So I think it comes down to two guys. Pat and Aaron. Now, Patrick Mahomes is the obvious choice, so I'll, wait, I'll leave him for second. Aaron Rodgers, I told you, he had some bad games. Indianapolis, Jacksonville, Tampa, and maybe that knocks him out of it. Patrick Mahomes has not had any bad games, so maybe he ultimately wins it. But Aaron Rodgers, what he's been able to do the last few weeks, even in Sunday's game where the game kind of got somewhat close at the end, it wasn't really ever close. You knew he was going to get it done, Rodgers. And when he took his foot off the gas a little bit at the end, it was fine. But Aaron Rodgers now leads the league with the touchdowns. He's looked phenomenal doing it. And I think if he has four more games like he's had the last few weeks, he'll win MVP. He's just been so incredible. He's reminding reminding everyone just how amazing he is. And if you look at that game, it was a story of two guys who drafted backup quarterbacks in Jalen Hurts and, uh, and Drew Love. And there was so much more made of the Drew Love draft pick on draft night. Aaron Rodgers was take, was caught off guard. They're trying to replace me. I don't think that many people talked about the Hurts pick as many as as many people talked about the Drew Love pick. But in that game, Hurts was replacing Carson Wentz. And I don't think that means that much and I'll get to that a little bit later, but I really don't think that means so much. I mean, Philly, he needs a break. I said that he just needs a mental break. I've talked about this how has any team ever felt this far removed from a Super Bowl like Philly does? And honestly, Doug Peterson might be trying to shave, save his job right now. And that's why he's putting Hurts in there so to get him a couple of wins so that he can even get back next year, which is crazy. He's a Super Bowl winning coach for a, for a franchise that hadn't won in years. And he's on the hot seat. He has to be. So that's pretty crazy. Back to the MVP stuff. Aaron Rodgers shut everyone up. And that's why he's probably the favorite to win or one of two favorites. The other guy is Patrick Mahomes. And he even said after the game, it didn't look pretty. It was a close game. He said, not every play, we're going to throw a 70 yard touchdown to Tyreek. Not every game, we're going to blow people out and put up 50 points. But he's always going to get it done. That's the part he didn't say, but they always get it done. And he always gets it done. And that's why he's the MVP. Whatever you need out of him, he gets done. I went three and two in my picks this week. I could have gone four and one, but Houston screwed me. Deshaun Watson got a bad snap. They were going to go in, score, win that game. I was right. I said this team could rattle off a couple of wins. First of all, I want to hear feedback. A lot of you maybe didn't even see that episode. I just posted it on YouTube. I did not post an actual podcast. 
just a five minute YouTube video. I thought it was kind of cool to change it up. I might do clips from episodes, you know, at a different time, maybe do something like that. But that I thought was something that was cool. Just throw in a YouTube video or something. But Houston should have won. I should have been four and one. I wasn't. So they didn't win, but they came pretty darn close. I think a fumbled snap was the difference in that game. It obviously was. I'm a Trubisky truther, and I didn't talk about the Lions game before the game or before last week, but Trubisky, again, he has those games where he just looks really good. He looks like he's capable of being an NFL quarterback, and he does one or two things like fumbling and having it returned for a touchdown that you're just like, oh, come on, Mitch Trubisky. You ruin everything. I wasn't even watching anymore at that point. I was like, okay, Chicago won. Trubisky looked good. Great. And then the Lions somehow came out and won that game. Just ridiculous. And you know who does the same thing? Like I've said before, Jared Goff, he'll play great and then he'll do one or two things. And you're like, why do you got to go and do that? And I think Mitch Trubisky and Jared Goff are more similar than people think. Just in different situations. Now, Jared Goff has looked way better, has had a better career, obviously, because he was on the Rams and he's got a great coach and he's got a great defense and good pieces around him. And I think Mitch Trubisky can look good, but the hate and the negative slant towards him. I, I don't think he'll ever fix it in Chicago, but I think he can be a capable quarterback in the NFL. I don't know where, maybe one day, who knows? Maybe his career's over forever. Like Josh Rosen, some guys just get a bad reputation and it's just over for them. Jared Goff keeps getting more chances because they keep winning. And he did something this week that I thought he was incapable of doing. He started off really poor and then he turned it around. He pulled it together and he played his butt off for the entire game. Basically after the first few drives, and pulled it together and they won and they looked great doing so. And hopefully they can ride that a little bit. I want to see him do that a couple weeks in a row. Another storyline, which is a huge storyline, is that the best two wins from this week came from the NFC East. We've talked all year about how terrible the NFC East is. But the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers and the Seahawks at home lost to the Redskins and the Giants. Now, my mother's a huge Redskins fan. She is really happy. I'm a big New York guy. It's fun to have a New York team that's good. I told you in my first one of my first podcasts that I was happy when the Giants won. Actually, it wasn't. It was in my Jets article. I was happy that the Giants won because the New York team won. And it would be cool to see the Giants win again. But how cool would it be to see this Redskins team, the team with no name, the Washington football team, pull off some wins? Obviously, Ron Rivera recovering from cancer. Great story. And an even better story, Alex Smith. Thought he wouldn't walk again. Thought he might die. Definitely get his leg cut off. Definitely not play football again. (laughs) He's Every time he gets hit, I'm like terrified. He got cleated and he was bleeding like crazy out of his leg in the game last night. I think a lot of people were probably scared that that was his injured leg, but it wasn't. And he just brushed it off after the game. He's like, yeah, I got cleated. It happens. This time it was worse than other times. Didn't really hurt. This guy is a warrior. It's impossible not to root for him. First of all, he's been an underdog his whole life. When he was taken in the same draft as Aaron Rodgers, he went to San Francisco. A lot of people thought Aaron Rodgers would go to San Francisco. That's where he's from. He's a big Niners fan. But Rodgers goes to the Packers. He goes to San Francisco. He ultimately brings them, I guess, close to Super Bowl. They probably go to a Super Bowl with him. But Kaepernick comes in and takes over his job. Then he goes to KC. And there, he did really well with Andy Reid again. But ultimately, he's replaced by a guy who's better than him in Patrick Mahomes. And no one's denying that Mahomes is better than him. But you really felt like this guy kind of just never 
had his full potential and was always overshadowed in his career. And this year, he shouldn't even be walking, shouldn't be playing football. He has that devastating injury and he's back. I would love to see him win a playoff game. At least make the playoffs, but it would be so much fun to see him go in the playoffs. It would be such a great story. So that's personally what I would love to see. Now, three games for next week. Three preview games for next week. And I'm going to start with Washington. And they're playing against San Francisco, the team that drafted Alex Smith. So that could be a great story. Going home to San Francisco. No, he's not. He's going to Arizona. Because that game's being played in Arizona because of COVID. 2020 is weird. And it's messing up another great storyline. But Alex Smith going to play against the team that originally drafted him. I really would like to see Washington win this game. San Francisco looked good. I got to say, San Francisco is a well-coached team. They are a team that tries hard. They're professional. I really like that team. They've showed so much grit this season with all the injuries and everything that happened. And yeah, I totally expect them not to be the same team as they were last year. And I've talked about that, but they actually look like a really good football team. They've put themselves in positions to be in almost every game that they play in. So that's going to be a good game. The second game is the Arizona team, but playing in New York against the Giants, the other team from the NFC East. And you can't say that these aren't the games of the week because... Those two games, you're going to have to see. One's a late game, one's an early game. Those have the implications for the division right now. That's like hanging in the balance. It's like, oh my God, who's going to win this division, this terrible division? And not only do we have at least one team that's looked decent coming out of the division, we have two teams that have looked really good in this division right now the last few weeks. The Giants look good. Their defense looks good. Maybe Daniel Jones is back. That would be fun. Arizona needs a win. After losing, they need to keep their playoff hopes alive. And Washington, I'd love to see them win. So those two games I'm definitely going to be watching uh, this week. The last game is the Patriots and the Rams. Now, on paper, you might think that that's not such a good game. The Rams are a way better team, or at least should be. But it's a rematch of the Super Bowl. And not only that, Bill Belichick does what he does best. He absolutely crushed a rookie quarterback. Should have ended Anthony Lynn's career. I don't know why he still has a job. Something that he did was just absolutely embarrassing and so classic Bill Belichick, where he called a timeout to allow the Chargers to punt because he, well, he didn't know just so that he could go block the punt and run it back for a touchdown to end the first half. I mean, I've never seen that before. He called timeout to allow them to punt. It wasn't the play before. It was a previous play, which allowed them the time to ultimately punt. <laughs> that was crazy. That was something only Belichick does. And I still can't count out the Patriots. And I think this is a great week. For Jerry Goff to show that he's the man. Prove that it's back-to-back wins. He can do this. I mean, the Patriots aren't even trying to throw the ball. And they're winning games. Belichick invents ways to win games. It's so cool. At the end of the day, he's probably going to come down to the 0-15 Jets and him. And the Patriots are going to be out of a playoff spot. And he's going to ensure that the Patriots do not have Trevor Lawrence on a different team in their division. And he'll lose to the Jets. That's how I see the season going. Um, I think it's headed that way. It's going to be marvelous for Jets fans. Just great watching Bill Belichick purposely lose to them so that Trevor Lawrence doesn't go to the Jets. Anyway, but Bill Belichick talked about my guy, Aaron Donald, this week. Um, he said it on WEEI, the sports radio station in Boston. He has a, a slot every week there. Um, and he had an interview and he talked about Aaron Donald. And he's like, well, I'm not so really impressed by him, but he's one of the guys who can just change the game completely. I mean, with the things that he does. It's so impressive. First of all, he's sitting at home alone wearing a mask for the interview, which is kind of cool. 
Like he does the interview on Zoom from his house, but he's wearing a mask. Uh, actually, I guess he's in, he's probably in LA now. That makes more sense. But um, he said he wasn't so impressed. You know, Aaron Donald, I've seen other guys like they said, how many guys have you ever seen like Aaron Donald? He didn't say he wasn't impressed. He said, I've seen other guys like Aaron Donald. There have been guys like him. But then he explained exactly word for word what I always say about Aaron Donald, which is he absolutely controls the game. He's a game wrecker. They only rush one or two. You can't block him with more than one or two with more than one or two. And it absolutely controls the game. Um, so that'll be fun. And Bill Belichick is very aware of that. And the last thing, I'm going to close the podcast with this, because if you're still listening now, you could turn this off. I'm about to talk hockey because nobody cares about hockey. But I love hockey and hockey finally announced they've been keeping this under wraps. It's been a total secret. They dropped their jerseys and that was a huge deal dropping the new jerseys. But they finally, finally announced a start date for the season. January 13th will be the beginning of the NHL season. It'll be a 56 game season. I'm super fired up. I don't know how it's working yet. If they align the divisions differently, it could be really bad for the Rangers because regionally there are some great teams in the Rangers region. And so that might lead to more losses, a tougher schedule, but I'm still excited for hockey season. It's still going to be fun. So that's that. That's the podcast. Hope you enjoyed. I'll see you again soon.
Take it with 